Hi, welcome to 52 in 52. I'm your host, Anthony. And I'm Josh. And today we're going to be talking about the movie Bridges Spies. Uh, if you haven't listened to our podcast before, um, the title is Me and Josh. We watch one movie every week, 52 a year. Uh, we do a podcast about it. That's how the title spawned. And today, like I said, we're going to be talking about Bridges Spies. Um, I don't think, Josh and I talked this over before the podcast, and we're not really sure what we can say about this movie. That's really a spoiler, considering the, the trailer and considering the true, inspired by true events stuff in the movie, and because it's like a Disney movie kind of thing. Um, so we're just going to go ahead and not do a spoiler section this time, even though we usually do. We're just going to talk about the movie openly uh, the whole time. So if you haven't seen it or don't want to know, I guess, specific plot details or anything, then... Um, maybe you don't listen, but if you've seen it, um, this is where you want to be. Um, is it, though? No. I mean, we'll we'll get there, Josh. <laughs> we'll get there, Josh. But, um, well, it depends. If you watch a movie and you feel how we felt, then this is exactly where you want to be. Um, or if you want to be educated. Yes, if you want to be educated. Uh, so I think Josh is going to give us a plot, and uh, we're going to go from there. All right. Well, I mean, if you don't like the sound of my voice, you can go watch the trailer because it pretty much gave the whole plot away. But I can do my best, too. Um, Ridge of Spies takes place in the late 50s and early 60s, and it's a Cold War movie directed by Steven Spielberg and starring Tom Hanks and Mark Rylance. And Is this Saving Private Ryan, Josh? And Amy Ryan in the role of Concerned Wife, which I'm sure <laughs> makes our producer really happy. Um, and, um, Tom Hanks plays an insurance lawyer at a New York law firm, and... His local, someone from, I don't know if it maybe his local bar association or just a higher up in the government that he's friendly with, comes and says, we, we need to look like we give people a fair shake even if we think they're spies. So you need to come defend this guy that we arrested for being a Russian spy, even though he's just an insurance lawyer. So he ends up uh, disagreeing to represent this spy, and they told him they, they wanted him to get a good defense. And unsurprisingly, he does plays the part of the lawyer who has to go to bat for the guy that's the uh, really reviled defendant, and people will get very upset that a lawyer dared defend anyone. And then what ensues is he ends up being able to... uh, He's still convicted, but he's able to avoid giving him the death penalty by arguing, hey, maybe we can trade him for someone. And the opportunity arises to trade him for a couple of American prisoners in Russia, or rather in uh, East Germany. And... uh, then it's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> That's just kind of what happens. Yeah, it's the story of this guy trying trying to defend the the Russian spy and then ultimately trying to make a trade to get an American back. Um, so I guess where I want to start is, well, I guess just to put it out front, I really, I, I did not like this movie. Josh, did you like this no. movie? No. Okay. Um, but only so, 10 people on Rotten Tomatoes didn't, which I still can't figure out. Yeah, so again, like The Martian, um, didn't want to see it initially, but I mean, I'm, I'm open and this is what I'm doing now. I want to go see movies and I'm going to watch them with an open mind. And obviously I really like Tom Hanks and, you know, I went to this movie and I, I thought it was going to be bad. Uh, I didn't think it actually was a bad in a different way than I thought it was going to be. So that was okay. interesting at least. Uh, I thought the first hour of the movie was okay. It was decent. Uh, and then after that, it just completely fell off the fucking rails. So, uh, what did you think about about overall? Well, considering that we 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 didn't see this one together, I saw it right after Anthony did, and I 
I think I guess I, I didn't exactly um, have have the same feelings about it that he did because I texted him with about an hour left saying, I can't believe I have to watch another hour of this. So I really wasn't that in love with the first hour, and I was just really kind of dreading the fact that I had to sit there another hour. And it was an extra tease because uh, I was able to kind of brace myself for it, but I don't think Anthony found out till he had gotten to the theater that the movie was two hours and 15 minutes long because Rotten Tomatoes had said it was an hour and 35 minutes long. And we thought, all right, well, either even if we don't like it, we'll be out of here relatively quickly. And that obviously was not the case. And... I, the first half I just found so predictable and I felt like I had seen every beat of this before and there wasn't anything unexpected and I felt like I knew everything that was going to happen as soon as a scene began and that was rather frustrating there wasn't anything out of the ordinary and in the second half I felt like the movie kept trying to go for these big emotional payoffs that it didn't earn because it didn't I didn't really care about any of the characters except one who disappears for about 45 minutes in the middle of it, Mark Rylance, who plays the Russian spy uh, named, uh, what's his name? It's Abel. 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 Francis yeah. Abel, I think. Uh, we'll, 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 get, we'll get all the names out there, but his, he goes by Abel throughout the movie. and it's All the reviews leading up to it had said, uh, wow, he might be the frontrunner for Best Supporting Actor, and I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> no. He was good, and I was interested in his character, and it was really the only even mildly compelling character that the script included. And he disappears for about 45 minutes in the middle of the movie, and you, there's all these other characters that you don't care about, and at the very end, there's this really, really, supposed to be like a really tense, really gripping scene on a bridge, and I think they're really expecting you to really feel a lot of things watching this and you forget why you're supposed to be feeling anything when tom hanks's character uh, james donovan uh is it james donovan yeah, yeah yeah he 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 has a very emotional goodbye with abel who was his client earlier and you forget you the movie's it's been gone on for so long and it's been so long since he ended up first meeting this guy and spending any time with him you forget why there's like any kind of why you're supposed to feel anything? Why, wait, why do these people feel have such strong feelings for each other? What's the big bond there? You don't remember that. And then when one of the American prisoners is returning, there is he's he has, they have to bring along a, another fighter pilot played by Jesse Plemons to identify him. And if you're gonna and Jesse Plemons is barely in the movie before that, and he's an actor that I really like, but you don't really understand like why this is supposed to be such a nice scene that they're reuniting because you spend about two minutes with Jesse Plemons and this other guy. So they have all these characters that they failed to develop, and they're bringing them all together in this one uh, climactic scene that just completely falls flat for me. And that was one of the things that frustrated me the most. So I found the first hour totally predictable, and I felt the second hour just kind of because the first hour failed to develop anything interesting, the second hour, thus, which was supposed to be the payoff, just kind of died. Yeah, no, I mean, even though I thought the first hour was um, better, it was uh, the whole fucking movie was predictable. It was, it was just absurd. Like everything that everything that happens they either tell you exactly what's going to happen in the previous scene or or they just they literally just transitioned i thought that for the first thing i wrote in this movie was the transitions were horrible there's a scene where tom hanks is sitting in the jail with mark rylance and he's like i'm gonna uh take this up to the supreme court and mark rylance says be careful. And then the immediate next scene is Tom Hanks' daughter sitting at home and a rock or two gunshots get shot through their window. And then and then the scene is over. That's it. That's the whole scene. Uh, they they like, oh, my God, is everyone OK? And then the, and then the scene is over. And it's like, OK, uh, everything in the movie, they say something. And then the exact next scene is what they say is going to happen in the next scene. Like, OK, 
Uh, well, I mean, the example you just gave, I guess, is yeah. an example of that not necessarily being the case, but just something that's very out of context. Yeah. And I mean, it, 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 it didn't really jump out to me as something that bothered me. I mean, we, we watched Mad Men, which is, we watched Mad Men, which is kind of notorious for just having really, like, abrupt endings and then beginnings when it came back from commercial. Matthew Honor didn't really care about that. So that thing doesn't exactly jump out to me, but I know the camera work also bothered you a little bit. Oh, my God. We're it talking was about just, the actual filmmaking it, aspect yes, of it. it was so boring. It was so boring. Everything about it was boring. They had these stupid metaphors of people, like, trying to jump over fences. Like, I've never seen that before. Someone's trying to jump over a fence, and they get shot or they get stopped. What does that symbolize, Josh? And then at the fucking end, they have the exact same scene with Tom Hanks looking because he's not in East Berlin anymore. He's in America, and he's watching American children jumping over fences, and it's, oh, great. Now we're back in America. This is what America stands for. People can jump over fences without getting shot. So you found it a little heavy-handed. Uh, a little bit, yes. Um, but going back to what you said, I just everything was so predictable, and it's just like there's no sense of conflict because of that. There's no tension at all. And that's part of the reason why the end was terrible, because you don't feel anything. The best part of the movie was Mark Rylance and Tom Hanks's repertoire together rapport together and then they just take mark rylance out of the movie for the whole second hour and they like the first hour of the movie is this guy's a spy your task is to defend him like it sucks and it's like okay this is interesting this guy has to defend a russian spy in the cold war where like the america was like wholly against this and and everything and then they do that for like an hour but then they don't see i didn't even enjoy that stuff as well, much as i wish i could have no I, I felt I, like it was so predictable with like they're gonna get mad at the lawyer who is having to defend someone that did that there wasn't one other nuanced character that understood what tom hanks was doing no no, no for sure but what i'm saying is it's at least you can they just didn't explore it at all they're like okay this guy has to defend this this spy and What's it going to be like on his family? What's it going to be like on him? What's the public outcry going to be? And then how's it going to affect him in his in his job, right? And so they're like, okay. And they introduce that. And then they're just like, all right, um, you lost. And then the second hour of the movie is like, all right, we're going to cut to these other characters we haven't even gone to yet and tell a different story so that the last 10 minutes, they, this these two different stories can interact together. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was very frustrating. And I was kind of, th- even though it's predictable, I think that there's still a way to at least make predictable have a little more of a payoff in the end. And you hate you hate counting counting a point, docking a movie points just because of the studio that distributes it. But because it's Disney and you know that nothing bad is ultimately going to happen in the end, that also kind of took away from a lot of things. You just you didn't expect anything totally bad to happen. And when you're dealing with this type of subject matter. You need to have the possibility of that happening to kind of create the same suspense. You, I mean, even though a lot of Cold War stuff is obviously inspired by true events or based on true events, that doesn't mean it's going to be totally predictable. Like our favorite show on TV is The Americans. It, 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 it doesn't matter that we kind of know the Russians are going to lose because they're telling an interesting story that could go a lot of ways. And when you're watching a Disney movie, that's not necessarily the case. But even if it is very predictable. That doesn't mean you still can't have some nice moments in there because you've earned them. Uh, I, I'm thinking of a completely different kind of Disney movie that we saw earlier this year, which wasn't even uh, that good of a movie that I ranked that high, but McFarland USA. <laughs> yep. Because you have the, for those of you who didn't see it, it's just a movie of Kevin Costner playing a track coach that coaches a bunch of uh, Hispanic kids at this small um, farming town in California. And it was very corny, very schmaltzy, very Disney. But they at least spent a lot of time, and you really felt like you knew who a lot of these. It's probably about eight kids, and they probably 
developed about six of the characters pretty well. So, like, when one of the ki- kids at the end, like, unsurprisingly finishes the race and one of the much maligned runners on the running team finishes the race, you kind of know who this kid is and you really feel really happy for him. And it's a totally corny ending, but I felt more in that than I did watching this movie. Yeah, it just seemed like they were just relying on the fact that it's Spielberg and Tom Hanks and Mark Rylance and, ooh, it's the Cold War, and that that was going to be enough for them. And the Coen brothers uh, co-wrote it, I guess. I still can't get over that. Yeah, I can't believe they co-wrote it. The Coen brothers were supposed to – I think they did the second revision of this script. I I wasn't expecting it to be an all-out Coen brothers movie. It wasn't directed by them, but you would have thought they would have found a little more something – just made it – find a way to make it a little more interesting and not so – so routine and boring and predictable. Yeah, and it, so I guess the last movie Spielberg directed was Lincoln, right? And I actually liked Lincoln. Okay, Lincoln was good, but Lincoln was so boring. Lincoln is one of the most boring movies I've seen in the last 15 years. And and this movie is not as boring as Lincoln, but it's so much worse than Lincoln because even even with a predictable predictable story in Lincoln even. Lincoln had a lot of good supporting characters. Yeah. And they just like they just take Tom Hanks and they take Mark Rylance and that's it. You don't know any of the other characters. I I, I, I this might just me be me kind of losing losing a little interest in the movie and not paying as close of attention as I should have, although I felt like I did. I kept getting prior and powers confused. Yeah. I couldn't remember who was who. Well and the thing is like why would I care about either of the American people that they got back. I care. I cared more about the Russian spy than the two American guys. And it, the whole movie is about schmaltzing America and how America stands for uh, America, the American justice system is everyone, everyone gets rights and everyone has a f- chance for a fair defense. And then the whole thing at the end just doesn't even live up to that. It's, all, it's just like Tom Hanks is heroic. That's it's a similar story. problem to The Martian. I don't understand how you could have a two-hour and 20-minute, because that's about how long The Martian was. This mm-hmm. is two hours and 15. How you have a movie that long and fail to develop more than one character. It, it's, it's, it seems like a very hard thing to do, and I don't know what they did with all that time. I can't, I'm trying to think about, like, <laughs> I'm trying to just re- remember the movie in my head. It's like, how did that all add up to two hours and 15 minutes? Like, I, I do not understand it. it you got you got to be able to accomplish more if you're going to make people sit in a the theater for that long. Yeah, and so, like, the I think the description of the movie on Rotten Tomatoes is, like, Cold War spy, gripping Cold War spy thriller, and it's, like, it's none of those things. And then you look at the reviews, and it's, like, Tom Hanks as a loving dad, and I'm like, what? This dude spent one scene with his kids, and he didn't even pay attention to them. He didn't even know what who his daughter was dating. He didn't... Uh, I, I just, like, his little girl didn't even say a word. His little kid, his little boy was just, like, trying to talk to his dad about nukes, and it's like, whoa, 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 so why are you guys talking about nukes all of a sudden? This is so random. Why? Why am I seeing like eight-year-olds crying the in the bonding, middle of the movie? That was the bonding scene, Anthony. I, I just don't get why why this movie sucks so bad. Like <laughs> I don't get why more people don't realize it. Is I, I don't I, get I, it. It's, I, re, I don't think it's something that's really like I'm having to come to terms with. I, I don't think that I'm taking like a very snobby disposition towards going to these things just because I started doing a podcast. I really don't think I would like this movie, no matter at what point I had seen it in the last year. And it's very frustrating because I, I feel like I'm missing something. How can, out of all the reviews that a uh, website like Rotten Tomatoes takes into account, there's only 10 people that they deemed gave it a negative review? Uh, listen, man, we're not, we, we don't have to live up to, to anything about Hollywood. Uh, we don't have to worry about <laughs> s- calling Steven Spielberg a fucking hack since he hasn't made a good movie in 13 years. We don't have to worry about the Coen brothers needing money is why they did a second revision to this script. 
Um, I, so I don't know if those 10 people also are making podcasts like us and they're just like on the next step where they're like getting their reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. But I mean, it, it just was not a good movie. There was no tension. It's like this dude's conviction is inevitable the whole time. The whole them trading is inevitable the whole time. Tom Hanks's character says, you should keep uh, the spy alive, Judge, just in case later on, you know, maybe the Americans will have a spy that'll get caught too, and then we can trade them. He, he says this word for word in the movie to a judge, and then the next scene, which they haven't even showed the spies yet, then they cut to a scene with Jesse Plemons and some other actor I've never seen in my whole entire life. That's not a bad thing. What? Well, no, it's not. But they the actor, they just but... did it poorly. Oh, yeah. they just did. It. You're just like okay. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like with the transitions, it's like judge, you should keep this guy alive in case an American spy gets caught. And you're like, oh, I wonder if that's gonna happen. And the next scene, it's like you guys are now American spies. And it's like, wait, wait, who are these guys? Why do, should I care about these guys that are American spies? Why should I care about this guy getting caught and and coming back? Why? I, it just bothered me. I know you really like Tom Hanks a lot, so I'm sure that also frustrates you that he did this movie. But do you think this is a better movie with a different actor playing that part? No, I don't think it was Tom Hanks' fault. He was fine. I don't think he was bad. I, I just think the writing was stupid. I blame, I blame the script more, too. Like, uh, I was reading the review on Deadspin, and he thought it would have been more interesting if you had someone like Robert Downey Jr. in that part, someone that's kind of brought a little bit more personality instead of someone that you knew was going to be the bland, everyman lawyer doing the honorable thing. I'm not saying you make him into an all-out anti-hero. We have enough of that on TV sure. already. But just someone that like maybe isn't like a necessary like or maybe has some he other kind of character. He was too good. He was too good to to make it interesting. The whole movie was just too clean in that way. It's just yeah. like this guy is heroic. Look at him. He has a family. He has kids. He's a successful lawyer. He thinks that every every person has what he said something like three times. What did he say? Like every person to, every person has a right to. Uh, You're the one that took notes. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be able to remember this stuff. I was I in a know. crowded theater with full of people that were enjoying it. Yeah, and uh, can we talk about the comedy for a second? It wasn't funny. These jokes that they put in the movie, they weren't not funny. I don't understand why people were laughing. Would it help? Yes, they said the same joke four times throughout the movie. Literally four times, word for word, they said it. And it's like, okay, I, I'm, 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 I'm all for callbacks. I'm I all the for first callbacks. time, but I just kind of rolled my eyes the next few times. Yeah, I, I'm all for callbacks. I love rest development more than anything in the world, but. This is it was just it was just too much. It was too much. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, did you have any? I showed you my uh, my pros and cons uh, section of my thing earlier. The only thing I had written under pros was Mark Rylance. Is, is there anything else you liked? Um, did you think it looked okay? Like I kind of thought it. I, I could kind of tell. Like it seemed a little fake. Like yeah, all those, all those scenes like, in Russia. Like I'm saying, the camera work was so shitty. It just looked like. It was shittily directed. It was stupidly shot. Like I don't understand. Like these scenes they pick, they're literally like putting like a three foot wall of bricks on the wall and like freaking out over it. I I, I just I I don't know, man. Well, I don't know if that's so much camera work as much as it's just it d- didn't really direction. Make a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah, Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> do you want Do you want to have the Spielberg conversation now? Seems I, like I mean, you're fairly down on him. I yeah, I just he hasn't made a good movie since Catch Me If You Can. A legitimately good movie. I like Munich. Okay, you liked Munich. It was that's fine. Munich was okay. I didn't see War Horse. Did I you see War Lincoln of the with... Worlds? Eh. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not a big sci-fi person. I think he's just more hit or miss than people like to admit. I think. Well, no, it's not that. It's that him. he was very good and shaped the landscape of movies since the late '70s. And then, as soon as he made Catch Me If You Can, everything else has been not good. 
And I'm not afraid to say that out loud. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you would have to be afraid of besides uh, your our other friends that enjoyed this movie more getting upset at you, but I don't think that's the kind of thing that would bother yeah, and, you Yeah, and much. to that point, Josh and I both saw the movie with someone different, and they both really liked the movie. And, I mean, I just... We didn't talk about the movies with them because... Because we want, I mean, we like to like kind of save our our thoughts for the podcast and just keep everything like um, natural when we do this. And I mean, like you go on, you go on. Wrong with people? There's nothing wrong with people liking the movie, even though we thought it was really bad. I I wish I want to like more movies. I just I I just couldn't help that I didn't. And uh, I don't I don't know. I think I think people come in maybe trying to have a more positive review. positive disposition on it heading in just because it is steven spielberg and maybe they are a little more predisposed to liking it because it's him and they like a lot of the cool things he's done and i i just think one of the things that some of the reviews that did get counted as positive on rotten tomatoes even said that it looks like he's not taking risks anymore which i think is a fairly good way to put it yeah no that's a great way to put it there weren't there are no risks in this movie everything is inevitable and there's no there's no tension at all when these like you're making a movie about the Cold War. Did you see my tweet last night? No, I didn't. What'd you say? I said in the last week, the the last two movies I saw were about foreclosures in the Cold War. The former was somehow 100 times more suspenseful than yeah, the latter. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, I just don't understand how you can make a movie about the Cold War, and the Russians and and the Germans and the Americans, and the tension that was so. I felt honestly. I felt more tension in the nucle- nuclear war throwback episode of Boy Meets World than I did <laughs> than I did in this whole movie about Cold War. I just like I don't understand how you can make a movie like this and and they even bring in the stuff about nukes and 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 like show they go to a school for some odd reason to show like a um, like instructional video of what to do if a nuke hits your town. It's their way of illustrating how high tensions were in but the fifties. But those, that that's kind of what thing. I'm saying. They didn't show us. They just said this tensions were high. Well, do you think their way of showing it was showing how mad they got at Tom Cruise for having the goal? Tom to Hanks. Defend? Tom Hanks. Tom, Tom Hanks. Sorry. Tom Cruise would have been interesting here too. He would probably would have stood on the table, right? <laughs> yeah, would have would have been a would have, would have made for a more interesting hero. That's for sure. But I think. I think their way of showing these ten- maybe their way of showing the tension was showing how mad was was showing how mad they were getting at Tom Hanks for daring to defend the spy just kind of trying to illustrate just how how much they hate Russia and and in that time but I, I just I don't know it didn't I feel like they could have definitely found more interesting ways to do it because like we've said it's a it's still a compelling era and it's kind of insane how close we came to it's kind of insane how close we came to war with these people over really nothing and I think to show the absurdity of that maybe you need to focus a little more and kind of i don't know show different stuff like i, th- I some of our friends were saying they liked that it showed the behind the scenes stuff but you felt like they weren't showing that what no what, what do you think they could have shown us well, more th- i just like they didn't show anything about like the cia or about the or about the germans or the russians you know it was all like tom hanks's point of view and tom hanks makes all the decisions even though like he has no idea what he's doing these guys are professionals in the cia like this is their job to negotiate stuff with um other countries and to worry about getting their soldiers back and then it's just like hey tom hanks go get this guy and then he's just like hey yeah you can no worries dude you can go by yourself to find the embassy and go through gangs and go through the military and then it's just like well this is what we did behind the scenes this is what you're doing now and they just I, like they didn't show any of the conversations or any of the 
any of the stuff with what what the CIA is doing or what the Germans are doing. They just like well, you understand why the governments can't talk, but maybe instead of just having those CIA characters be such one dimensional characters who really don't want to explain anything to him and leave Tom Hanks in the dark, like. I don't think I don't I didn't really buy that that's how it happened. I, no, I don't I don't no, understand why I don't understand why they would write it that way. It just they just made they didn't give us enough to make it seem like they gave Tom Hanks any instructions yeah. on what to do. And then and then and then he goes into the uh goes into that embassy in East Germany and it's like a maze and he keeps talking to all these yeah. people that won't just that won't just they won't just have a real conversation with them, and it's supposed to be kind of played for laughs because they won't just introduce them to the right person. But instead, it's just kind of frustrating. It's like, why don't you why don't you just show us some conversations between the between the German people and like what their motives are and yeah. why they're making this such a difficult process instead of just kind of trying to leave the whole audience in the dark and turn it into a kind of, kind of comedy where they're trying to negotiate the release of a hostage. It's just kind of yeah. Like, well, and going back to that, war. they go to the they go to the uh, to the embassy, and then it's like. Tom Hanks is like joking around the whole time. And it's like, dude, you're about to talk to someone about saving someone's life and you're just like, is this Vogel? Are you Vogel? Are you Vogel? And then they're like, oh, this is your fake family? And it's just like they introduce this fake family that's supposed to be the Russian guy's family. And then Tom Hanks is like, just like doesn't want to be around them and like kind of like gives this like jokey look and like slides away from them on the couch. And it's like, this is not a comedy this is supposed to be a serious moment where he's having a negotiation for the trade of two hostages or prisoners of war or whatever you want to call it and and it's just like they just don't build it up to be that way at all and then like you said at the end they just want you to feel like they did but they didn't do anything to deserve us to for us to feel any tension at the end no and i think the uh, one thing that I did feel a little bit of tension while I, while I didn't necessarily feel it in the ways I think they were trying to get us to in that scene at the end, one of the things that like was kind of intriguing, but at that point I, we were already there for two hours and 20 minutes, and I knew we were about to go, and I didn't really have a desire to be there any longer, but when I thought about how there was a good chance that Abel wasn't going to be completely welcome in the country, and kind of same for the American prisoners. The Americans were kind of worried, like, how am I going to be received? Are they going to be worried that I cracked and I... I, that I told the secrets, and same with same with Abel going back. It would have been a little interesting, like we're saying. They needed to build up the. They probably should have built up the relationship between Donovan and Abel a little bit more. And I, I don't think those conversations early in the film were substantial enough to make us feel what they wanted us to feel in that scene at the end. So maybe have more discussions about what this guy's feeling because he's an interesting, ambiguous figure as the spy who just seems so harmless at the same time. How is he feeling about going back home where he doesn't know if, if he's going to actually have much of a life there at all? It would have been a lot more interesting than the stuff they showed us. Yeah, and and to that point, I think that it's kind of like The Martian in that it's just a feel – they made it as like a feel-good movie, right? And so – but then they like try to make it serious at the same time. And it's like you need to pick one or the other because you can't throw in all these like feel-good, happy moments and then – expect this a big emotional payoff that you would get at the end of a more serious movie. I don't know if I agree with that. Well, well, like in Martian, they didn't develop any of the characters, right? In this movie, they didn't develop any of the characters. And then you have this big thing, this big whole scene at the end where they're on, which is a famous bridge that uh, they don't talk about. They just said, we're going to meet on the bridge. And then they just like have the, it's so cliche, the car drives up. They got the binoculars looking for the other car. They got the snipers looking at the other snipers. And then they just, do the trade yeah maybe i'm thinking more of tv shows tv you have so much more time to work with and once you've developed these characters over a long time you can derive funny moments out of it but when you're 
trying to fit it all into a two-hour movie, maybe to kind of tell your story effectively, you do need to maybe you do need to pick a side one way or the other because my mind's going to more TV shows when I think of dramas that have funny moments. It's you don't see that quite as much in movies, I guess. Yeah, well, I just mean like the o- the opening scene is like supposed to be tension filled, right? Like, you know, this dude, there's no words. There's no words for the first, like, 10, 15 minutes of the movie. They're just showing this. excited when Herc slash Dom showed up? Yeah, dude, Herc was great. (laughs) And then they made him, of course, he plays the same guy he plays in everything. The idiot cop who can't do anything right. And it's just like, I I don't know. I just think it would have been so much more interesting if they had made the movie about Tom Hanks defending. I know it's supposed to be inspired by true events. I get that. But, like. They had made the movie about Tom Hanks defending this guy and the procedural stuff about how the police tainted this evidence. And even though this guy's a spy, like, doesn't make up for the fact that in America and what they're trying to say is, like, everyone gets a defense. And the Americans did not go about it the right way, whether or not he's a spy. They just, like, wanted to wanted to witch hunt him just because they found someone. Did you, did you ever see The Conspirator? No, came I did not. a few not. years ago. It had James McAvoy and Robin Wright about... Uh, James McAvoy defending someone that might have been an accomplice to the murder of, uh, to John Wilkes Booth and Abraham Lincoln's murder. And that movie got kind of panned by the critics a little bit when I went back and watched it. But I remember enjoying that a lot more just because they at least they told a similar story to the one you're talking about in America, not kind of just giving due process to someone really just because they didn't like what they did. And I think if you tell that story the right way, it can be fairly interesting as long as you have at least one character who you can sim- – at least more than one character who isn't just a total – one note, uh, uh, stock, stock character. Yeah, one yeah it was pony. so it was so stocky. Like, it, they, like you said before, they just made Tom Hanks feel like be such a too perfect, too perfect guy, and it just wasn't necessary to make a complex and like interesting movie. It just like it's just another movie to just go to and be like, yep, that happened, and nothing else. Please. And this movie's gonna get nominated for Best Picture. So oh, God, it won't win, will it? Yeah. I don't know, man. I'll get more mad than I got you guys. I watched the Oscars with uh, both of you last year. Like, I'm, I'm talking to our producer Rachel here, also at the same time. But you saw how mad I got when the Imitation Game won like Best Screenplay ahead of Whiplash. Like, I'm gonna be like ten times as mad if this movie wins Best Picture. You know, it's interesting that you brought up Imitation Game because I was thinking about that in relation to this movie, because a lot of people liked Imitation Game and I saw it and it was fine. I thought that it, they definitely could have been more interesting. Um, it could have been more interesting uh, with regards to... Um, focusing on the interesting stuff instead of just a machine that wasn't working. Yeah, focusing on Cumberbatch's character and like the like him because he was gay and like the way that that changed everything instead of just like, I don't know, the way they did it they was kind of... They made England turning him into like a criminal for being gay, like a, like a, a coda at the end. Yeah. I mean, they... Or just like a lot of the interesting stuff, how they, utilize, but, they utilized the... Um, they utilized his machine... They kind of skipped over that and said it was just him complaining that his machine didn't work, and it was they they just failed to tell a compelling story when the subject matter was there. Yeah, but I guess what I was getting at was that whole movie, like you know what happens, right? Like you know who wins the war. That so was still know, better than this, exactly. But that's what I'm saying is you know who wins the war, and yet you can still yeah tell us. I mean, it's not it wasn't the best. I don't think it should have been up for best picture, but it was it was a pretty good movie. Yeah, I, I mean, as, as mad as I got with the acclaim it got, it still did a much more effective job of. Of of just entertaining you, despite the fact you knew that he won World War Two. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I just think with such a subject like this, that someone as famous as Spielberg and someone as good as the Coens 
should be able to and produce something much better with someone such as Tom Hanks and Mark Rylance. And then and Amy Ryan. I, I get that the wife maybe wasn't like the biggest uh, presence. It, it's a true story, and she obviously wasn't over there doing the negotiations with him. But you haven't. You, you don't. Why do you sign an Academy Award nominated actress like that that can do so many good things? And then not write in a few more scenes, just even if it's her in the role of wife slash mom, write a few more compelling at-home scenes that make you care about this guy more. And make you care about his family and and what what they're going to go through. And why don't they make Jesse Plemons the guy who gets caught instead of the other dude? Uh, he's, He's busy. One other thing I wanted to talk about was that, so they did this whole thing with the audience in the courtroom, right? Where... After he gets convicted, nothing happens. Like they're just like, okay, he's convicted, right? The jury votes, um, again, finds him, finds him guilty. So the next time they're in the courtroom, they have Tom Hanks, um, and you know, the they're sentencing. all there. Yeah, yeah, at the sentencing. Sorry, and and they're like, the the judge says, um, we're just going to give him life in prison, thirty years instead of um, electric chair, and everyone starts freaking out and going after Tom Hanks on it, like that's the true crime, like. Not that he, not that they they convicted a spy, and then nobody they're like okay, and then as soon as as soon as the sentencing isn't he's getting the electric chair, they show this scene with Tom Hanks on the bus and like everyone's like mad at him because of it. It's just like it's just that's so corny and it's just so unnecessary. Yeah, I feel like it's the kind of thing we've kind of seen before uh, when when it's just people getting irrationally mad at the at the lawyer. I mean, at least in I mean here at least the, the person was fairly guilty but it's kind of like the same thing with the ignorant crowd in the courtroom like a to kill a mockingbird type thing and people getting why, why not get mad at the judge you got to make the decision yeah um and we also didn't we didn't even talk about the the kid in school getting getting caught by the germans because it was just so random it's like an hour and 40 minutes into the movie and then they just introduced this whole other very important plot point that is gets everything stuck up on the end and it's just like at first, when the scene came on where he gets arrested, I wrote down in my notes, "What the fuck is that scene with the American kid in East Berlin?" There was, there was, n- it just was so random. There was a guy who decided to go study abroad in Berlin in the nineteen late nineteen fifties as an American. I kind of, I, I did kind of get a chuckle when someone talked about how stupid that kid was later in the yeah. movie. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like it was just like. I just don't understand why they they did this. The and I didn't think it was that interesting because what what happens is they're trying to get him to take the as part of the swap of prisoners. They're trying to get him to take this student, as opposed to trying to get the, as opposed to the the fighter pilot. I guess who maybe is just a more valuable prisoner of war to have. They didn't really explain that. Well, yeah, because he has information. Yeah, that too, and and they they, they just want to get back their guy with the information, but. I didn't really find the conversations all that compelling where it's like, we want prior. No, we want powers. No, we want prior. No, we want powers. It just went on and on and on. I'm yeah, just like, was, I, I really don't like care. Com- I it was like cartoonish. Like, I just don't care. I don't, I don't, yeah. why do you think we want to see this over uh, and over? The again? thing that really pushed me, um, over the edge about the cameras and the, and like just the way it was shot was the stuff with prior and the way they just kept getting him into the room to try to talk and not let him sleep. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they just, a every, out of yeah, they just, brought all these scenes and then they would they would show him in the in his jail cell and then as soon as he would like try to fall asleep they'd take him out of the jail cell and put him in this other room and tie him to a chair and tell me what you know about the the american plane i don't know anything throw water on his face what do you know about the plane i don't know anything and then they put him back in the jail cell well i I think that's almost well that's also kind of a, a script issue almost more than a 
more than a camera issue, but I, one, one, one of the camera things that did jump out to me, because I was kind of looking for it after you told me before I saw it that you didn't like the camera work, was I really like it in movies where the camera's not always on the person who's talking, but it's on the, how they're reacting to that person. And that was one of the more powerful scenes in Sicario at the end where uh, Benicio Del Toro and Emily Blunt are having that conversation and he's kind of telling her a lot of stuff that she would probably rather not hear and you're seeing the look on her face as she's having to react to that. And I thought that th this movie didn't really do such a great job of that. And th when it stuck out the most to me was in the first scene when Donovan and Abel meet each other. And it, it should be an interesting, more intense scene where these two guys are feeling each other out. And it, they easily could have shot it with separately and then split it together without both actors there at the same time because it was only showing one actor's face and then the other actor's face as each talked. And that's one thing I wish other movies would do a little bit more of. And you would think someone like Spielberg might... Uh, have more I, nuance. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was that was the one kind of way it was shot that jumped out to me. But certainly, there's other things that were Spielberg definitely could have upped this game for sure. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about. It's not. I mean, I guess it's not that big of a deal. But when at the end when they do the trade and Tom Hanks is like, "When are what are they gonna do? Like, are you worried about them shooting you? Whatever." And he's like, "Well, just see how they embrace me if they." put me in the back of the car then they're mad at me or they then they think that I talk to the Americans and if they embrace me then they think that I uh, was faithful to my country and then they show it and they just put him in the back of the car and they don't they don't embrace him and then they just shut the light like Tom does Tom Hanks not care after that anymore like does nobody care they made this guy like he, they made the audience care about this guy more than anyone else in the movie and then they just kind of literally throw him in the back seat, both literally and metaphorically. And they they just don't really I don't know. It just bothered me how they handled how they handled it. Yeah, I I, I agree. I just like I said, there was so much filler in the middle of the movie that I I, I can't even tell you what it was. I like I like I said, I don't understand how we got to the end, and I couldn't really tell you why what they spent two hours and ten minutes on. But I would have been fine if you'd taken out a large chunk of whatever that was and just showed me what happened to Abel afterward. I felt like that would have been a better use of their time. Maybe they just don't, maybe they just totally lost track of that guy. I'm not sure, but I agree. Yeah, so I think we're going to wrap up now. Um, what movie are we seeing next week, Josh? Uh, Steve Jobs. Steve your, Jobs? Your dude Aaron Sorkin's and Jeff, your dude's Aaron Sorkin and Jeff Daniels. What else are we seeing next weekend, Josh? I hope Room makes it here. Uh, it's hard to say. Yeah. Like, we're, we're in Gainesville, Florida, and we don't always get a lot of the movies that come out in limited release right away, so... Um, if 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 nothing else get if nothing else gets here, it might have to be Steve Jobs. But I'm totally open to uh, doing something else. And we also have uh, Beasts of No Nation on Netflix, which has been very positively reviewed. Um, Terry Joe Fukunaga, who did the first season of True Detective, it's kind of his first feature that he's written and directed, and it's being very well received. So I think we might do that. And Steve, we'll see Steve Jobs at some point. I Mississippi don't... Grind too is up on iTunes. Yeah, it's up on iTunes. So. I want all of our listeners to go see that if you're in a city that actually has it in theaters because it's a movie that we're excited to watch at some point. We might wait till it's in theaters here if it gets here, but it also might just be something we pull up on iTunes and watch on TV. So those are maybe the next three that are kind of on our to-do list. So, yeah. Yeah, so again, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at A-Clambake, A-K-L-A-M-B-A-K-E. And I'm at Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y. Thanks for listening, guys.